Hi guys, it's Jill, and welcome back to another episode of Equine in Theory. This week's episode, we are talking about how I got into the saddle on Mac's back for the first time. If you are not familiar with Mac and his journey, he is my retired racehorse project for the Thoroughbred Makeover 2019. Yes, that's the year. Um, And I just got on him the other day, and I wanted to talk to you guys about how I did that. So let's just jump into it. So, this episode, we are tackling the issue of getting into the saddle. (laughs) Isn't that fun? Um, And I know that there have been so many people that are like, finally, girl. It has been since November, and it's May. What have you been doing this whole time? (laughs) And to that, I say I have been fixing things. (laughs) And I know that's like, that's just an out there answer. But um, I have really been working super hard with Mac to resolve so many issues there were ulcers and head shyness and we're still working on ear shyness and um then like bridling and finding out what bridle he likes and then girthiness and then um you know just trying to get him um all situated in his body and like with chiropractors and food and nutrition and all of that wonderful stuff and there's just been a lot of things on the to-do list with him, and, um, I really anticipated when I signed up for this competition that I was going to get one of the thoroughbreds like I've gotten in the past, like Zoe and Dudley and Ghosty are are all horses that I have gotten from my boss, Sonny, and, um, I, I never owned any of them except Zoe, obviously, um, but I rode them and took them to their first shows and everything, and they could not have been more level-headed horses. They, I mean, they were just such pleasures to ride and so talented at what they did. And, um, it just, (laughs) I just anticipated that I would get one of those. That's just like very easy to deal with. And Mac from day one was not. And, um, so we've had to work through a lot. And the, another reason that it has taken me so long is because you have to realize and keep in mind that I just started this type of training in August of 2018. And I realize that we're quickly approaching August again, but like to be trying to learn an entire new method and then go out and train it is a lot. And I know I kind of complain about that quite a bit, but, um, I feel like that is a valid reason as to why it's taken me a little, a little while to, you know, get on, and I'm not a professional, and I am an amateur despite my USEF status, because apparently if you have a sponsor, you are a professional, even though I have not the writing talent to back that up. <laughs> um, but with um, with Mac, we didn't start at zero blank slate. We started at negative 100, <laughs> and we're just now getting to, like, five (laughs) and we're working towards 100. So, um, we've had to undo those aforementioned issues and, um, get to a place where I feel confident that he's going to be comfortable when I climb into the saddle. And that finally happened the other day. And, um, I really want to talk about that process, but first I kind of want to talk a little bit about like my thoughts on riding with the clicker and using positive reinforcement in the saddle because the 
that is one of the biggest questions I get asked. And I like to like to be completely honest with you, I, I don't know. And I don't know how to do that. I've never done it before. I have an idea and I know how um, others have done it or I have at least ideas of how others have done it. Um, but there are so many ways to do it and I just haven't settled on this is how I'm going to do it yet. And I'm not sure what's going to work for Mac. And um, I have a feeling that I will be, I struggle to say needing to, but I feel that he should be introduced to negative reinforcement on, on a level because he is going to be somebody else's horse one day. And I don't know if you know this, it's kind of a secret, but not a lot of people train with strictly positive reinforcement. And what I've been doing with him is currently just resolving issues that would get him into trouble with another person, like biting or raising his head super high or resisting when you try to put a bridle on. Like those issues might get him into trouble with someone else. So I've been fixing those issues so that he doesn't face any sort of reprimand or repercussion that might affect him negatively. Um, And that's sort of the mindset that I want to carry over into riding. And um, I'm going to have to introduce him to pressure and how to respond to pressure. On some level, he knows because, I mean, he raced at the racetrack. I mean, he knows. But I want to do it in a way where he's comfortable and confident in it and knows that it's not going to increase or hurt him. And I'm really going to try my hardest to make it a fun and pleasurable experience for him. Um, Because being completely uh, transparent here... Um, the way that I have ridden in the past and sometimes still ride, um, I don't know, I don't know how, how many of you guys know, but like I live on a horse farm and I ride a bunch of thoroughbreds and ponies and um, I ride them traditionally and every now and again I'll catch myself, you know, slipping into increasing pressure or being hard on them and usually it's when I've had a long day or I'm tired and I lose my patience or something and then I instantly regret it and I'm like I am so sorry pony that was I have no words for that you are incredible and I need to learn how to train better and um so with Mac I really want to try my hardest and I also want to try my hardest with the other horses to um use it in a way that he will be comfortable with it when somebody else takes over the reins and rides him quote-unquote normally um And I don't want him to be afraid, um, you know, if there is an amount of pressure there. Um, I really don't want to use increasing pressure with him because I think he will not appreciate it (laughs) um, because he he goes over his fear threshold pretty quickly. um, And there's almost no warning signs. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's not fair. There are warning signs, but sometimes they're in rapid succession before he just you lose him. But since we changed his feet and treated him for ulcers, those incidents have been very few and far between. Um, but anyway, though, riding with the clicker, as far as Zoe goes, I want to use as much positive reinforcement as absolutely possible. With Mac, since he's a sale horse and he needs to be exposed to the quote-unquote real world, I want to do it in a way where he will be comfortable and he'll also be very clear on what is being asked of him 
so that when somebody else gets on him, they won't feel the need to use increasing pressure or use punishment because he will know his job and he'll know the cues and he'll know the behaviors that are expected of him and do them appropriately and um and be a pleasure to ride so that he and his rider future rider both enjoy um their time together so i really want to um i really want to create that future for him um but (laughs) there's also the issue of the timeline it's currently may 27th and the competition we leave on September 30th, which is my birthday, and um, hashtag Libras out there, you hear me? <laughs> um, but we leave on my birthday, September 30th, and we'll be there for, I believe, five days? It's through, like, October 5th, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's five days, lol. Um, so, the competition is October 2nd through 5th at the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, so, I have to be on him and showing him a month two months prior. So, um, I, I, my timeline is moving quickly and I am one that's not necessarily okay with like, I have a timeline and am I going to have to push this horse? Am I just going to have to make it happen? And those are all things that I've been really concerned about. But, um, I think honestly, my energy is better spent like putting, um, putting my focus into him and how I'm going to train him instead of worrying about those things. Um, and I don't know, I'm probably just thinking out loud at this point. Um, and, um, as far as riding with the clicker goes, I am going to figure out how I want to do it. And, um, I'm going to talk to my peeps about it and see where we can go from there. And the trickiest thing is like, I know a lot of people can teach rain cues by having someone target, um, the horse on the ground and then you gradually fade in the tactile rain cue. It's not a pull. It's just like, it's just like, it's a tactile cue. It's a touch. Um, yes, there is some degree of pressure, but it's not in the same sense that normally pressure and release is defined, um, at least in riding. But, um, I don't have another person to do that with, and I feel that that would be pretty tricky (laughs) to do from the saddle. So I'm going to have to figure out how, I want to go about this. And, um, I don't know. There are many, many ways to do it, but, um, that's, that's not particularly the issue at hand here. And I've been talking for 10 minutes. Um, but I just wanted to sort of put my thoughts out there uh, as to where I'm at, because this is the amateur hour podcast (laughs) where I am fumbling through this whole positive reinforcement journey, um, trying to figure out where I fit in and what I believe and, um, trying a whole lot of everything. Um, but anyway, now it's time to get into the actual beef of the podcast, um, where I'm going to talk about the steps that I took to put a saddle on Mac and get on him when, before he was biting at me, (laughs) if I did up a cinch. So with Mac, um, I, the first time I was like, let's try to put a saddle pad and a bareback pad on him, um, I had him in his field at Liberty. He wasn't tied up or anything. And um, I took a saddle pad and I lifted it up and he took off. And I was like, okay, that was very clear. So he came back over and he sniffed it and I treated him. And then I would just kind of like work around his body with it in my hands and clicking and treating every time for him standing still. And then gradually I was able to, you know, 
maybe put it on his shoulder, on his side, and then lift it very gently up and over his back, and then slide it off, and then it gradually got to where I can just, like, flip it up over, you know, English saddle pads are, like, nothing, um, and I could flip it up onto his back, and he would just stand, he was like, what if, this is cool, and, um, then with the bareback pad, um, I think, I think maybe first I actually used, like, my old trainer's, um, old little, um, very flat jump saddle. It's super light and I put it on his back and he was cool with it. I worked the same way with it that I did the saddle pad and he was just at Liberty standing there with the saddle on his back and, um, I couldn't find a girth that was long enough. Um, cause we don't, <laughs> none of me and my boss both don't ride in, uh, mono or uh, dual flap saddles. Um, so, um, the first time I used a girth on him, I, used a bareback pad and um I remember I was in a stall and I did the same thing with the saddle pad he was cool with that cool with the bareback pad going on but when I went to do up the cinch he turned around and did like a snap and I was like hmm he did not bite me and he could have bitten me if he had wanted to but that was definitely a, a, a warning received loud and clear <laughs> and I was like okay so that's a problem and I kind of just like left it there and then we treated his ulcers and we switched him to a feed with um, little to no sugar and um, made some changes that way and with his paddock environment and things like that and um, now he does not have an issue with that and do you know how I know he does not have an issue with that <laughs> because I am able to girth him up now and in my last podcast episode I talked about um, how I went through the bridling process with him and so um, currently our best bet is um, the LG bridle, it's a hackamore, uh, or I guess it's not, I don't know what the difference between a hackamore and a bitless is, honestly, but, um, I, I always say hackamore, but I guess it's truly a bitless. Um, it's got like a wheel on either side and, um, so it, it works off of nose and pull pressure, which is, um, more ideal for him because of his tongue injury because he had, he'd been tongue tied and, um, Anyway, so I talked quite a bit about that in the last episode, and so for this, um, I just, this happened, like, maybe last week, um, I put a, the bridle on him, and he, like, accepted it, and he accepted the reins, which were a whole nother thing <laughs> to work through, um, by un unbuckling them, and then buckling them around his neck, sliding them up towards his ears, and then clicking and treating, and then over his ears, and then back really quick, and then clicking and treating, and then back and doing that until I could take them off over his head, and then put them on over his head, and now he, like, ducks his head into them, um, which I also really like, because that gives him more control over it, too. He's like, I'm putting this on you are not human. Um, so with the, um, with the saddle, um, I had my dressage saddle, which is a county saddlery saddle. It's the most comfy saddle I've ever had in my life. And please, if you buy one, tell them that Jill Treese recommended you and give them my information, please, because they will give me, um, a commission and I would love that because I am broke. Um, but seriously, the comfiest, best saddle I've ever owned. Like, I love that saddle with my whole heart. And, um, sorry, random tangent. So I did the saddle pad thing. He was absolutely cool with it. Um, and then I brought the saddle into the stall and he sniffed it and was like, what if? And then he, um, stood there 
and I lifted it up, clicked and treated, and then lifted it and set it on his back and clicked and treated. He was totally fine with the whole thing. I adjusted it, moved it around, checked the fit, and clicked, clicking and treating the whole time um, just for him standing patiently. And um, then when I went to do up the girth, I like jingled the girth and clicked and treated and then put it up on one side, clicked and treated, and then put my hand under his belly and like pushed up a little bit. Um, like or mimicking the pressure of a girth and he didn't react at all and I was like okay sick so then I pulled the girth under and then clicked and treated and then I slowly started tightening it and leaving it on for longer and he was totally chill with it so eventually I buckle it and everything is good so um, we did that and, um, I think I actually did it with the bareback pad first. Sorry for lying, everyone. I did all that with the bareback pad first, then I did it with the saddle, but I don't think you need me to walk you through how the bareback pad went. Um, and so then the next, um, stage was getting on him. So the first time I tried to work with him on like lining up to the mounting block, um, which I have seen people do like amazing, incredible, insane things with their horses, like at a distance, having them wait and then climb on the mounting block and the horse like runs over and lines up or like leg yields the whole way there. And I am not expert level 1000 yet. And if you have done that with your horse, please hit me up. Um, Adele, I know you're working on it and you're probably going to hear this. So like, let me know what's up. Um, and I just started teaching both of them how to target their hips. And that's probably the way that I'm going to go about it. Like, yielding their hip over to my hand. I guess I shouldn't say yielding, um, but like moving their hip towards my hand to line up to the mounting block. And, um, but, um, so the first time I started with him with that, I just wanted to see, I guess I, I don't really know what my goal was. <laughs> um, I just wanted to see if he was comfortable with me standing on it. And I guess that was my lesson plan was to work on that. And so I brought it into his stall and he sniffed it and was like, what if? And so I stood on the first step and he was like, whoa, <laughs> I'm the tall one, not you, human. And um, so we worked on that a little bit. But every time I got to the top step, he would move his back away from me. And I was like, okay, well, that's very clear. <laughs> like, don't, don't mess with me. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Stop, get down um, or don't ride me or I don't know. I don't speak horse, but I can only, only presume. And um so, and I, we worked on it quite a bit, um, a few sessions of me just like standing up there, petting his back, feeding him over his back, and he just never got comfortable with me leaning over his back and feeding him. Um, and I just kind of dropped that lesson because that's, I, I am, mm -hmm, that is one of my character flaws. I'm like, this isn't working. Time to try something new. Maybe that's not a flaw. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but sometimes I just like give up on things. And then when I come back to them with a different approach, they just work. So maybe that's, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm like just gassing myself up here or not. Um, anyway, sorry for that derail. Um, but when I had the saddle on him and I brought the mounting block in the stall, when I stood on the first step, no reaction. So I clicked and treated and he just wasn't reacting at all. And then I got to the top step and there was, he didn't react. And I was like, what the heck? And he just like stood there and didn't move at all. And essentially I was just, he was just standing and I was just clicking and treating him. Like I'm standing on the top of the block, rocking the saddle, putting my foot in the stirrup, leaning over the saddle. And he just is like standing there getting treats for all of it. So 
essentially I was training tolerance, I guess, and patience, like just stand. And, um, so, uh, we worked on that and he was very cool with that. And I don't know, part of me is like, I don't know if this holds any water at all, (laughs) but part of me wonders if that context of having the saddle there, like made more sense to him, like, like me standing on the mounting block with nothing on him. He's like, well, what, what you doing? And, but like with the saddle on, he's like, oh, that makes sense. I don't know. I could be super reaching there, but there was a vast difference. And I even did a little experiment. I took the saddle off and then stood on the mounting block and he backed up and looked at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I don't know what to think of that. But part of me thinks that like it was a little bit of context for him. Could be, again, could be reaching. Don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, but so as I just mentioned, I, um, I would stand on the block, click and treat, put my foot in the stirrup, click and treat, lean over the saddle, click and treat, wiggle the saddle, click and treat, um, put my foot in the stirrup and, um, like get up in it, um, and like put all my weight in that stirrup and, um, leaning over to counterbalance, of course, not putting all my weight on one side. Okay. And, um, he didn't move. And then I like put a little more weight, jumped a little higher and, um, was just like acclimating him to it, um, as delicately as I could. And then I finally swung my leg over and he had no reaction and I clicked and I gave him a treat. And I think the first time I sat on him, he walked in a half circle And half of me was like, what have I done? (laughs) Like, what do I do now? Um, And I just said, whoa. And um, he stopped and I clicked and treated. And then I got off. And let me tell you, (laughs) in the video on YouTube, every time I got off, I just like completely botched the landing every time. Like, I would either hit my leg on the cantle of the stirrup or stirrup of the saddle, or I would just like fall down or hit my chest on the knee roll. And just like, it was a mess every single time. And I was like, I forgot how to dismount, I guess today. Um, but it's like embarrassingly bad. And I would trip over the mounting block or whatever. Um, which also leads me to my next point. I posted that video yesterday or today, I guess. And I also posted on my Instagram about it. And I got a lot of people curious about why I was mounting in a stall. And um, there are a few reasons for that. One, I don't recommend mounting in a stall normally. Like, I was always taught growing up, don't get on in a stall, don't get on in a stall, don't get on in a stall. Um, The only people that I knew that got on in stalls um, are, like, uh, the cowboys that break in two-year-olds and stuff. They'll get on in stalls because the horse can't bolt. Um, which is, I'm like, "Mm, a little danger, but if you think the horse is going to bolt, probably don't get on. (laughs) Um, but, um, my philosophy was that I have worked with this horse since November on teaching him how to be calm and how to be relaxed and respond to certain cues. And, um, he knows that I'm not a threat. And, um, so I, I felt very safe in the situation and I feel pretty strongly that he did too. Um, I know that horses are unpredictable, but I really feel that I put in the work to validate that decision. And secondly, um, Mac is very comfortable working in his stall. Um, like sometimes in the arena or in his paddock, he gets a little wiggy about sounds or, um, you know, 
other horses moving. He gets worried about other things. But in a stall, his head is low and he's relaxed and just hanging out. And so I knew that that is the safest place for him. And he's very calm and secure there. And I want this to be a good experience. So um, that it will translate to more distracting um, environments. And, um, you know, it's I, I, I did not feel that I was putting myself in a dangerous situation by doing that. Now, I don't recommend just hopping on your horse in a stall. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm going for here. And um, I had a few people imply that that's what I was, like, promoting to my following. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's the opposite. Because, um, and if that wasn't clear enough, which obviously it isn't since I was getting some comments like that, and maybe that's my fault, um, I, I strongly, strongly at least try to promote that you heavily educate yourself first before going and doing anything with horses. Like, you need to know what you're doing, or at least have a plan beforehand and account for things that could go wrong. And, um, you know, just, like, think ahead and um, educate yourself and do research. And I've been studying this since August and working with Max since November. Like, I had a pretty good idea of how it was going to go. Um, So, I feel pretty confident in my decision, and I stand by it. Now, I don't recommend, again, hopping on your horse for funsies in the stall, um, but I put in the work, and I, I, I don't need to defend myself anymore. You know, we're good. Just don't do it without, you know, prepping first, because it is a small space. If the horse were to um, panic, you could run into a potentially dangerous situation there. I agree with that 100%, but... That was not the goal, and I took the preemptive measure, measures to um, set up that situation and environment for a success. So, anyway, so I got on Mac, and then I got off of him, and then I got on him, and then I got off of him, and then I got on him, and I got off of him, and it was just overall very successful, and I just did it in successive approximation, took little steps, working gradually towards this goal of me being on his back. Like, just think, like, how... Like, break it down, if you're going to do something like this, break it down to the smallest, smallest component, which is, um, like, I mean, first there's brushing, and then there's a saddle pad, and there's a saddle, and a girth, and a bridle, and um, standing still, standing in a mounting block, and then having me on the mounting block, having, um, lifting my foot, and then lifting my foot into the stirrup, like, all of the things, break it down, and reward for each step, and repeat, and repeat, and repeat, and repeat, and so now this is a horse that has been on, that I've been on several times, and so he knows the process, and he knows to stand, and, um, he knows to stand and wait at the mounting block, and not walk off like every other horse I ride out here that I get on, and I'm like, better grab mane, because off we go, um, that was a really gross voice sound, but, um, anyway, Mac, um, I, I'm so, so proud of him, and I cannot highlight that enough, because that was a horse that I would have never, like, (laughs) I don't know, a few months ago, I was really like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do this, like, this is insane, and now I feel a lot more confident, I feel like he is trusting me more, and he knows what to expect from me, and, um, now I feel like our progress can finally really start to show um, because I've seen it and I've seen the tiny changes in interacting with him every day. But you guys who are watching it through videos and Instagram, you don't get to see that much and you're just like, she's still not writing. <laughs> and um, it's it's been a long journey and I 
am very excited to see where we'll be in the next few months. And it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of dedication, and a lot of work. Um, but I really think that we're going to be able to do this and do it um, with a happy and comfortable horse. At least that's my my dream at this point. Like, I just, I want the best for him. I have absolutely fallen for this horse. And I want, I want to make sure that he has a happy life after me. And I want nothing more than to be able to buy him. But that's not going to happen because I'm a college student and my family has already afforded me one horse. And I'm not going to ask them to afford me two. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. And, um... He, we will ensure that he goes to somebody who will treat him right, and, um, and all I can ask is the same for the rest of the horses out here, because, like, Twinkie, Dave, Cricket, Maze, they're all fantastic horses, and not a single one of them has a mean bone in their body. They're all the best, like, they're, they're the sweetest horses, and, like, um, Twinkie has the cuddliest personality, like, I just went out there tonight and was petting everyone, and checking like checking legs and everything and he's just following me around and like snuggle me please pet me on the head <laughs> and um and Dave is like the best horse to ride out here like he's probably my favorite horse to ride he just everything you ask him he's very militant about it he's like yep okay yep trot canter and he's got like one gate each one um or one speed each gate and um then Cricket is just, like, he's such a young spirit, but he's so level-headed and, like, the safest young horse I've ever ridden. And so I, and just, they're just all pleasures to ride. And, um, I really hope that they can find fantastic homes, too. Um, so I don't know. I just, I want the best for all of these guys. And I hope that I am doing my part. And, um, yeah, it's time for me to stop saying, and, um, I hope I covered all of the bases. I mean, really just, it was successive approximation with Mac in the saddle. And if, if ever I saw, and there were a few times that he would maybe like take a step back or step sideways and I would take it down a step. If I had just rocked the saddle, then I would go back to just putting my feet in the stirrup or my foot in the stirrup or standing on the first mounting block step. And I would just break it back down if I saw him ever be uncomfortable because I want him to be as confident in everything as possible. So, um, I mean, that's really the biggest, the biggest deal because a confident horse is a safe horse and a horse that trusts you and, um, believes you when you tell them something like, this is safe. I'm not going to hurt you. When they believe you, it means an awful lot. And, um, I don't know. I just, I really was really proud of Mac and of myself for sticking with it and being able to get so far with him. And it doesn't look like much comparatively to the outside world, but man, we are on two different paths. I am like a beginner all over again. <laughs> so I'm having to learn and to train and, um, just get better. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do. I'm just <laughs> starting over essentially. So I don't know. I think that that about wraps up the episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Please don't just hop on your horse in the stall. I don't think that needs to be said because I don't think you guys are dumb, but <laughs> apparently there are people that believe it does. So don't do that. Um, if you're going to, make sure that you take the appropriate steps and do it right and make sure you have a happy, confident horse no matter where you're getting on. Um, 
so yeah and with that I think I'm gonna wrap up this episode um if you're listening to the podcast before watching the YouTube video um head on over to Jet Equitheory on YouTube and you can watch the two videos of me bridling Mac and um getting on him for the first time uh they're two separate videos so be sure to check those out and thank you guys so much for listening I will catch you guys next week Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Equine in Theory. Be sure to subscribe and check in next week for the next episode, which will be how to clicker train your horse or how to start clicker training. Um, I'll also have a video up on my YouTube about it, and it'll probably be very redundant. But what I have learned with learning theory and operant conditioning and this sort of thing is you can never be too redundant, especially when you're first learning, because it just helps solidify things in your brain. So be sure to check both of those out. And that means you can check me out on YouTube at Jet Equitheory, and on Instagram and Facebook, also Jet Equitheory, and my website, jetequitheory.com, and um, yeah, just make sure to follow us on all those social platforms, and keep up with us on our road to the Thoroughbred Makeover, and I think with that, I'm going to leave you. Be sure to leave me a positive review. It helps me in the algorithm and boost the podcast so more people get to hear it. So go ahead and do that and have a wonderful drive, stall, mucking out, or day, evening, night, if it's like 2 a.m. where you are. I don't know why you'd listen to this at 2 a.m. You're probably asleep if you did. And nobody's probably listening to this last part of the podcast anyway because who actually listens to the, like, subscribe to me? oh well okay that's the end of the podcast thank you guys so much for listening check back in next week and be sure to subscribe so that you know when i post again okay goodbye